Welcome to episode 94 of the Word Encounter. We're in the book of Psalms, and so we're going to continue on in chapter 11. And uh, chapter 11, it says, God's rule provides stability in the midst of panic. Because we can trust him, we can face our problems. And so in verse 1, chapter 11, uh, it says, For the choir director of David, I have taken refuge in the Lord. How can you say to me, escape to the mountains like a bird? For look, the whip, the wicked string bows, they put their arrows on bowstrings to shoot from the shadows at the upright and hurt. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord, his throne is in heaven. His eyes watch. His gaze examines everyone. The Lord examines the righteous, but he hates the wicked and those who love violence. In verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright will see his face. Hallelujah. In chapter 12, um, the low preview says, uh, the proud and lying words of people versus the true and pure, pure words of God, a call for protection against those who try to manipulate us. Uh, let's skip to verse 3. It says, may the Lord cut off all flattering lips and, um, and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, through our tongues we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Verse 5, because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. In verse 7, you, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from, the, from this generation forever. The wicked will prowl all around, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. Interesting. And what is worthless is exalted by the human race. If that isn't a descriptor of today, I don't know what is. It says, the wicked prowl all around, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. In chapter 13, let's see. Praying for relief from despair, we must continue to trust God even when he doesn't answer us immediately. Verse 1, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Have you ever had that thought? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Those are thoughts that are easily um, in our memory banks when we're going through despairs and troubles and, and we don't know what to do. We don't know how long we're stuck in it. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Of course, the answer to that is no. But how long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? If you've never had those thoughts, you've lived, you've lived a blessed life. <laughs> because when those thoughts come at you, man, sometimes it's a, it's a battle you have on your hands in order to get over that. Verse 5, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice, uh, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Hallelujah. Chapter 14, only the fool denies God. How foolish it must seem to God when people say there is no God. Okay, so that's the little intro to it. Uh, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, 
one who seeks God. And so here we see that that David, of course, is equating uh, seeking wisdom with seeking God. In verse 3, all have turned away, all alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Mm. Let's move on to chapter 15. I've got this underlined, underscored, starred everything in my Bible. It's not very long, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, Intro to it, let's see. Guidelines for living a blameless life. This is awesome. Chapter 15, verse 1. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? The one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart. Does not, uh, does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his word whatever the cost, who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent. The one who does these things will never be shaken. Let's read that again. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? And so David is posing, you know, who, who's eligible for this? Who can, who, can, who can do this? The one who lives blamelessly practices righteousness and acknowledges the truth in his heart. You know, <laughs> okay. So how does one do that? In verse 3, who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor. How many times do we get into like discredit, uh, discrediting neighbors and sometimes with our tongues we can do things to harm our friends. <clears throat> we can lie on our friends. We can do things. We, we're just messed up many times. In verse 4 it says, Who despises the one rejected by the Lord? In, 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 in other words, what David is saying, you know, if you despise the one who rejects the Lord, people who mock the Lord, people who um, uh, make fun of people who believe in the Lord, none of these people are on God's side. And in verse 4 it says, uh, who despise the one rejected uh, by the Lord. So the Lord rejects these people because they reject him. <clears throat> it says, but honors those who fear the Lord. In other words, the brothers and sisters inside the you know inside the tent if you will in the army of god you know do you honor those people it doesn't mean you have to agree with them all the time but do you honor them who keeps his word whatever the cost this is a huge one you know in other words you're not saying speaking idle words just coming out of your mouth with no intention of following up or making sure that you're a person of integrity and do what it is that you say you're going to do <clears throat> says, who does not lend his silver at interest. In other words, this is talking about greed, you know. Are you, are you, um, are you doing things and putting people um, at a financial disadvantage uh, because of your greed? He says, or take a bribe against the innocent. Hmm. How many times, you know, it doesn't have to be in a court of law. It could just be in, in a circle of friends you know, or whatnot, where somebody has done something to anger somebody else, and so they re- they start recruiting other friends to come against that person, and um, they essentially have taken a bribe because they believe what this person has said, 
have not verified it and they just assume that they're being told the truth all in order to come against this other person. It says the one who does these things will never be shaken. And so if you're a person of honesty, a person of integrity, an honorable person, a person with a high uh, degree of character, it says that you will never be shaken. Chapter 16, uh, the preview says, the joys and benefits of a life lived in companionship with God. We enjoy these benefits now and eternally. In chapter 16, verse 1, uh, no, let's go to verse 4. It says, The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. This is David talking. In um, verse 5, Lord, you are my portion in my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in, uh, in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Wow. Verse 11, you reveal the path of life, uh, of life to me. Um, in your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Not temporal pleasures, eternal pleasures. Pleasures that will last from now until eternity. And by definition, that's never ending. And so a lot of times we sacrifice so much of our existence for temporal pleasures. Things that will satisfy for an hour, for a day, for a season, but have no eternal staying power. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Amen. Chapter 17. A plea for justice in the face of false accusations and persecution. David urges us to realize the true goal of life, to know God, and the true reward of life, to see God one day. 17 verse 1, Lord, hear a just cause, pay attention to my cry, listen to my prayer, uh, from lips free of deceit. Let my vindication come from you, for you see what is right. You have tested my heart, you have examined me at night, you have tried me and found nothing evil. I have determined that my mouth will not sin. Verse 11, that, that's, that's an interesting determination. I have determined that my mouth will not sin. You know, the word says that uh, death, and, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so if death and life are in the power of the tongue, then obviously what com comes out of your mouth is critical. And so David is saying, I have determined that my mouth will not sin. Have we made that same determination? Or do we just allow our lips and our tongue to be loose? And just to say whatever we feel like we want to say without giving any thought whatsoever to the consequences. Particularly in this day of social media, you know, we're not really talking per se, but we're typing words out, typing thoughts or whatever. And not, that stuff is, has permanence. That stuff is going to exist even when we change our minds. And so we need to be thoughtful with regard to what comes out of our hearts because what comes out of our hearts comes out of our mouth or comes out of our fingertips on the keyboard. And so... <clears throat> Have we determined that our mouths and fingertips will not sin? If not, why not? Verse 8, protect me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. For the wicked who treat me violently, my deadly enemies who surround me. Verse 12, they are like a lion eager to tear, uh, like a young lion lurking in ambush. And so David is saying, you know, my enemies, you know, they're like... They're, they're prowlers, 
You know, they're just waiting to pounce on me. And then he says in verse 13, rise up, Lord, confront him, bring him down with your sword. Save me from the wicked. Chapter 18. Let's look at um, the intro here. Gratitude for deliverance and victory. The only way sure to be delivered from surrounding evil is to call upon God for help and strength. Chapter 18, and this is kind of the instructions by the author, I guess. Before I get into it, it says, um, this is, but this is in the Bible. For the choir director of the servant of the Lord, David, who spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from the grasp of all his enemies and from the power of Saul. David said, verse 1, I love you, Lord. My I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who was worthy of praise, and I was saved from my enemies. Verse 4, the ropes of death have wrapped around me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Uh, David is, is writing this, and he's assured, he's assured of this in his spirit, that, the, that his cry has reached the ears of the Lord. And, you know, you know I've got to be honest here. A lot of times when I've cried out to the Lord uh, with regard to situations and circumstances uh, that were going on in my life that I felt I had no control over, I was not confident, you know, that the Lord was hearing my cries. I didn't know if my cries were falling on deaf ear. I didn't know anything, but through faith I did it anyway. But I didn't know. I just didn't know. And, um, and sometimes when we're in that position and we just don't know things, <clears throat> by faith we have to act. It's not good enough to not act because we're, we're unsure. Uh, that's where faith comes in. And so, um, as a matter of fact, I'll go further than that. In order for it to be faith, I would say there has to be some kind of degree of uncertainty. Because if there isn't a degree of uncertainty, then how is it faith? And so, uh, now I could be wrong in this. I could be very wrong in this, but it makes sense to me. And so um, when I'm unsure of what the results will be or the consequences of whatever I'm doing when I don't know, then via faith, I act anyway. And so I speak anyway, not knowing what the outcome will be. In verse 16, still chapter 18, it says, he reached down, talking about God, and this is David speaking. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of the deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Verse 20, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. Interesting. <clears throat> so obviously David was assuming that he was righteous and that his hands were clean uh, because he's saying he was rewarded according to his righteousness and according to the cleanness of his hands. 
um, and he was rewarded by God uh, pulling him from uh, those who hated him for they were too strong for David to deal with, but obviously not too strong for God to get to deal with. It says in verse 21, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not turned away from my God to wickedness. Let me read this again, 21 or 20 through 21. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and I have not turned away from my God to wickedness. In other words, he's saying that he was rewarded and, uh, and, and the Lord uh, repaid him according to his cleanness and righteousness. Uh, according to the cleanness of his hands and righteousness, because he has kept the ways of the Lord and has not turned uh, from God to wickedness. And so this is what David is attributing him being rescued to. Now we drop down to verse 24, and this is interesting. And it says, so the Lord repaid me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. <laughs> and, so, and, and so David isn't just thinking that uh, because he feels that he has been righteous and he has been clean, but because essentially from the Lord's perspective, he's been righteous and he's been clean, and that's why he's been rescued from his enemies. <clears throat> and the rest of, you know, verse 18 is pretty long with regard to or in reference to the length of um, uh, uh, chapters typical in, in Psalms. It's 50 uh, verses long. But I highly recommend you read the whole thing uh, because it, it, the details are interesting. <laughs> let's move on to chapter 19. And then we see, uh, let's see, the preview of 19 is both God's creation and his word reveal greatness. <clears throat> Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech after excuse, day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting. So it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse pro proclaims the work of his hands. In other words, it, nature proclaims the work of God. You know, when we get outside and just look around or another thing, when we're in an airplane looking out of the window and we're just, you know, taking in the earth and the surface of the earth. And, and it's just uh, it's just mind boggling to me anyway to think about how this whole thing functions as a system. The earth, uh, the galaxy, you know, the sun, the other planets, the stars, the, how everything works in concert with each other, you know, and, and so. <clears throat> And what uh, David is saying here is that the works of his hands, nature, proclaim his existence. You know, and so and and, and that's hard to that's hard to um, uh, th th that's hard to come against. That's hard to dispute. You know, when you look at the glorious nature, and um, or I should say the gloriousness of nature, and you look at how it operates and functions, and everything seems to work together and whatnot and in the seasons and the time and the weather and everything just is like hand in glove working together that i don't see how that is just a cataclysmic accident i don't see how that's just happenstance i don't see how that's evolution because if something evolves then what's controlling its evolution you know, you can say nature. Okay, but what's controlling nature? Somewhere, somehow, this thing has been designed and put together. And 
I don't see how one can come to any other conclusion. I really don't. And it says, day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. The works of his hand communicates knowledge, day after day and night after night. In verse 12, it says, who perceives his intentional sin, or who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. And so David is pleading here. He says, keep your servant from willful, from willful sins, those things that I could easily do. And so David is saying, look, Lord, keep that stuff that I could easily involve myself in. Keep that from me. You know, <clears throat> do not let them rule me. You know, and if I do, if I should happen to slip, don't let them rule me. You know, and then it says, then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. And so the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so David doesn't want to be involved in rebellion. I don't want to be involved in rebellion. And so those willful sins, those little foxes can get into the hen house and just mess up the whole thing. And so if we let these little things in our lives, those little things can germinate and grow and spread and then end up affecting our entirety, um, the entirety of our existence. And then we'll, we become willful sinners at that point. And we don't want to do that. In chapter 20, it says in verse 1, well, in chapter 20, the subhead says, or, um, a prayer for victory in battle. Such a prayer can help us prepare for any great challenge. David knew that trust should be placed in the Lord more than in human power. And so in verse 20, verse 1, it says, May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. Verse 6. Now I know that um, the Lord God, excuse me, now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some take uh, pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of our Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and hallelujah. I can't really say anything more than that. And so with that, we're going to pick it up in chapter 21 tomorrow in Psalms. Everybody have a blessed day and take care. Bye-bye.